Once is enough there, right? Good morning again. I'm very glad to be here. My wife is uh, currently, or just about to get on a plane for Cyprus uh, to help with a women's retreat um, for missionary women serving throughout the Muslim world. And um, so I'm batching it for two and a half weeks. Um, which also means that I pick out my own clothes when she's gone. <laughs> and um, I'm colorblind. That's not funny, is it, Charles? Charles Peterson. I am. And so if they don't match, you know, I, at first I thought I forgot to ask her to pick something out for me. She doesn't usually pick out my clothes, but she does um, occasionally go, um, Spencer, that ain't going to work. And she wasn't there this morning, um, so this is what you got. That, and, but then I was like, it's Gunnison, who cares? All you guys care is if I got something on, right? <laughs> there is, I can only think of one benefit to my wife not being here, um, and that is I get the remote. Two and a half weeks. I get to decide what's on. If we're there together, we choose together. But if I'm alone, here's a shocker for you. It's usually on the sports channels or the outdoor channel. If my wife is there alone, or she has the remote, um, it's usually on the um, home makeover channels. Right? Which... She, she thinks there's a lot of sports channels, which there are. I find it phenomenal that there's that many channels just for do-it-yourself, HGTV, uh, stuff like this. The first show I remember like that was called Extreme Makeover. You guys remember that one? And it was like a prime time, you know, ABC show or something. Now there's channels devoted to that. 24-7, you can watch somebody redoing their home. Or somebody else redoing their home. Um, the favorite in our house, um, if I don't have the remote, is a Fixer Upper. Many of you have probably seen that. Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I've got to say, you know, for a, a show about remodeling a house, it's pretty dang good. Um, that's her favorite. Waco, Texas, where they're from, um, and they have a store there called Magnolia Farms. I made the horrible mistake a couple years ago having my wife and daughter in the car driving through Waco and not stopping at Magnolia Farms. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of booze over two years. My daughter reminds me of it often. Dad, we didn't stop there. Um, those shows are really about remodeling, aren't they? Getting rid of something that's old and replacing it with something that's new. We've had to replace a few things in our house. Appliances, um, one countertop. Um, as a homeowner, we kind of decided what needed to go, and then we decided what the plan was for something new. We had a model or a blueprint, something we wanted to follow. Um, if you do some of this, you, you know, you, you might need a contractor too. You know, if you're about as handy as I am, 
you might need somebody else to actually help. So like my countertop, I'm like, nah. You know, my, my neighbor next door, is Rob here today, Rob and Kathy? Right, they're not here today. Oh, Rob and Kathy. Rob next door is like Mr. Fix-It. My cars, home improvement projects. Um, I got him on speed dial. It's, you want the number? You might need it. 1-800-I'm-in-over-my-head. That's what I call him. So you might need a contractor. Um, what would it be like if we remodeled this church? Maybe just a small remodel. Maybe an extreme makeover. I don't know. I'm not talking about the building, by the way, right? This, four walls, is not the church. We are the church, right? We're the church. It's people. People that have been redeemed by Christ. That's what the church is. Now, if you model your, remodel your house, the homeowner is usually the one that decides, right? This is old. This is worn out. This doesn't work. This is ugly. It's going. We're going to put something new in. God is the owner of the church, right? He can decide maybe what's no longer needed. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's his. Who gets to build it? He does. Um, He's the general contractor. He might sub out some stuff to us. He's the general contractor. He gets to decide. So in a remodel job, he's the one, really, that might say, you know what? Eh, This is kind of old. I don't know if this is working. I don't know. You guys might need to make this new. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul holds up a model for us to follow. It's a model for church, for how to do church. He holds this up as kind of, this is the poster child for church, how to do it. Okay? Are you ready? All right, let's, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the whole chapter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Paul holds up this church in Thessalonica as a blueprint, as a model. He calls them. 
you have now become a model. Just a tiny bit of background about this church. If you read Acts chapter 17, you get to see where this church is born. Paul and Silas and Timothy go to the city of Thessalonica. They spend three weeks going to the synagogue on the Sabbaths, which is where they would oftentimes start, sharing the gospel with people. Paul and Silas and Timothy get run out of town right after that. Have to go to a neighboring town called Berea. Eventually, they make their way down towards Athens and Greece. In the meantime, Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on them and to encourage them. Short time later, Timothy rejoins Paul in Corinth when Paul writes this letter. This letter is written less than a year after they visited Thessalonica. After this church was born, started, this letter goes out to them. This is a young church. These are people who have been walking with the Lord for a very short time. And yet, it's the model that Paul holds up. Here at Community Church, we just celebrated 100 years in in September. Celebrated our 100th year as a community church here in Gunnison. And yet, maybe we need to embrace a model of a church that's only been around for a year. What should we learn from these young believers, these young followers of Christ in Thessalonica? The first thing the Apostle Paul commends them for is in verse 3. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, endurance, inspired by hope. Sound familiar? Faith, hope, love. Faith in God and His Word. That's our final authority. Love for God and each other. And hope that leads to enduring whatever trials come our way. Those are the foundations of a healthy church. You know it? Show me a healthy, growing, vibrant church And I'll show you those three pillars under it. Faith, hope, love. How's our health here at Community Church? Are we healthy? Are we a healthy body? I don't know. Sometimes I think we are. What would you give us as a grade? If you had to give Community Church a grade on our health. Of course, the church is... Only as healthy as us, right? As the individuals, as the brothers and sisters in it. So how's your health? How's mine? Since we're on the topic of health care, do you know what the U.S. spent in 2017 on health care? Across the board, entire across the country, in 2017, $3.2 trillion was spent on health care. Isn't that incredible? My health insurance premiums, just my monthly premium, they're more than my mortgage payment on my house. I don't know if that's right. Just, that's just the premiums. Then you add on, you know, deductibles and Whatever else you got to pay to doctor's appointments and you know pharmacy surgeries, I don't know, blah 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 blah. It keeps going on, right? 
all on this body that's dying. It is, right? I got news for you. If you don't know that, all of us are. Now, I'm thankful for good health care. I really am. I am very thankful. I have traveled around and been in many third world countries, and I'm so thankful for our health care, especially last year. I'm, I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary of a heart attack. Got a culvert put in. Things are flowing good again in that ditch in my heart. I'm thankful for good health care. But maybe it's not the best long-term investment, right, to blow $3.2 trillion on our bodies that are dying. Let me ask you a question. How many of you go to the health fair when we had the health fair? Annette and I are there. Get your blood drawn. Do the blood draws, right? Our bodies aren't going to last. We're all going to die. Let's pray and leave. No. Maybe spending $3.2 trillion is just on bodies that are fading isn't the best use of the resources. Our spirits, on the other hand, are going to what? Live forever. Live forever. Maybe we should be going to spiritual health fairs. That sound like a good idea? We all line up down at the Fred Field house and go in for a spiritual health fair. People walking up to each other, taking your temperature, checking your weight, listening to your heart. Hmm, your faith seems like it's a little bit weak. Maybe you need to exercise that muscle some. Try this scripture. Here's a Bible study. Your love temperature is just a little cold. Might want to warm that up. Ask God to warm it up. Ask God to soften your heart. But your hope now, your hope seems steady. I think you're going to endure the next hardship you encounter. Wouldn't that be good? We just all go down to the Fred, Fred Field house. Or maybe we should just do it every week right here. You know what I mean? Every week. How's your spiritual health? Faith, hope, love are the foundations of a healthy spiritual life and a healthy church. Another mark that Paul gives us of a healthy church is in verses 7 and 8. And we read, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. This fledgling church became a model to believers throughout a huge region and even beyond. How? The Lord's message rang out from them. The word Paul uses here, we get the word amplifier from this same word. Just like this microphone I'm using right now, I take takes my words, flies through this little contraption down this sexy wire I'm wearing to this contraption on my hip. Patrick does his magic in the booth back there, and it comes out louder, carries farther. By the way, Patrick, thank you. Patrick's back there every week doing his magic in the booth. 
Thank you, bro. Thanks for doing your magic. That's another mark of a healthy church, of a, of a healthy follower of Christ. Our faith is meant to be heralded. It's, not, it's meant to be taken in. It's a gift from God, absorbed with our mind, to our hearts. But it's not meant to just stay there. It's meant to be broadcast out farther and wider. Each of us a vessel to carry it to somebody else. There's got to be an outlet. There's got to be an outlet for our faith. We visited Israel a couple years ago and went to the very, very headwaters of the Jordan River um, near a town called Caesarea Philippi. And there the Jordan River, it starts as a spring. And it's couple feet wide. Beautiful, clean, pure water. Tiny. It's just like a mountain stream here in in the Gunnison country somewhere. That water um, then flows down for quite a few miles and flows into the Sea of Galilee, which isn't a sea. It's just a lake. It's a fresh water lake that's about 10 miles or so wide, teeming with fish, Then that water flows out of the Sea of Galilee and continues down the Jordan River Valley for about another 30-some miles and flows into another body of water called the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee is teeming with fish still to this day. It's where Jesus and his disciples fished, but it's still teeming with fish. Good water, the same water, flows into both of them. One of them's pure, clean, teeming with life. The other one is the exact opposite. It's dead, saltier than the ocean. What's the difference? One of them has an outlet. The other doesn't. The healthy one has an outlet. And similarly for us to be healthy, there's got to be an outlet for our faith. It's something you, you, you can't give it away. The more you use your faith, the more it grows. The more God grows it in you. It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the bigger it gets. Don't laugh. Where is your outlet? Do you have a consistent place where you can share your faith? Where you exercise it? We must if we're going to be healthy. I just don't want to be unhealthy, laying on the couch eating potato chips all day, not exercising. I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy as a Christian. I want people to hear about our faith everywhere. Wouldn't that be something? Community church is the model because our faith is just heralded far and wide up and down this valley to the ends of the earth. There's something else that Paul commends this church for, this young, fledgling church for. So the spiritual exam isn't over yet. Let me get my rubber gloves back out. Verse 9, he says, other people are now telling how this group of young believers turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Turn 
let go and serve. Turning is literally the word for repentance. The word repentance means simply to turn. Turn from the direction I'm going here. Turn towards God. Face God. Follow His lead. Let go of something that is old. Something that is no longer useful. Doesn't help me in my faith. Doesn't help others in their faith. Let go of it. So that I can serve. Serve Him. There's two words, primary words, in the New Testament that are translated into the word serve in English. In Greek, there's two of them. One of them is we get the word deacon from, and it means to literally serve a plate. It's what Jason, Ben, and I did today with the bread and the juice, to serve it to you. It carries the idea of of waiting tables. That's not the word Paul uses here. The other word means to become a servant of. In other words, put yourself under the authority of God and give up your rights. Servants don't have rights. That's what he said they did. They turned to God. They let go of some of the old stuff in their lives so they could become servants. That's another great picture of a healthy church. What do we need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? What do I need to let go of so we can serve? Maybe we just need to let God remodel. (laughs) Maybe there's some things, old things, that we need to get rid of. I don't know. Maybe we need to get a checkup every week. I don't ever look forward to going to the doctor. I don't even look forward to going to the health fair. Um, But it's such a good deal, you can't afford not to. So I do it. But maybe I need a checkup every week. You know what I mean? There's many ways we can do this. You know what? Part of it is just asking God to check us. How's, how's my love meter doing, God? Is, this, is my heart soft towards other people, towards you? Ask God to test your strength. Test that faith muscle. Ask God to give you outlets for your faith. A place you can share it, to exercise it. One of the ways we can do that is something that we're doing in our church right now. And it's simple. It's easy. It's an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. may not be the most faith-stretching thing you've done for a while. um, But it is an incredible way to show a practical expression of God's love to a child somewhere in the world. Um, so grab a box on your way out of church today. If you've already gotten one, grab two or three more. I dare you. Let's see how many we can do from our church this year. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, Samaritan's Purse is the sponsor sponsoring organization for Operation Christmas Child. And... That's an organization that Nat and I have have worked with for about a decade doing retreats for their international field staff. That's why we we go to Iraq every year, is to do a retreat for Samaritan's Purse. 
So because of our association with that, that we were invited to their 100 millionth shoebox celebration about five or six years ago in Orlando. And it was awesome. They celebrated sending out a 100 millionth shoebox. Isn't that incredible? I, I will never forget, though, one of the people, they had all these stars on the stage, like country music stars that are involved and Christian artists that are involved in helping, all this stuff. Then they brought this sweet lady from a coal mining town in West Virginia up on the stage. Um, mostly toothless. Sweet, sweet lady. She got involved uh, over 25 years ago with Operation Christmas Child. Started small. It's a small town. It's actually a very poor part of West Virginia. She started gathering shoeboxes, spreading the word. Got a little bigger the next year. Got a little bigger the next year. She exercised her faith muscle. Started asking God to fill semis full of shoeboxes, which they did. And then would drive to Charlotte, North Carolina. Semis full. I was inspired by her faith. Her faith became a model for many when they brought her up on stage and she shared her story. It was awesome. One of the things Annette, or I've had the privilege of doing is actually distributing these shoeboxes um, in Iraq. And I think uh, Patrick's got a couple pictures. I've shared this with some of you before, but uh, this is a Syrian refugee camp um, in northern Iraq. These Syrians left fled from uh, ISIS, and uh, a lot of these people were just like us, middle-class people, good jobs, home, car, and overnight fled. They've been in refugee camps ever since, some of them. Um, and the, uh, the privilege of being able to hand out some of these shoeboxes and a warm coat to these kids now living in tents this is my favorite one. This is actually my screensaver on my computer, this picture right here. And the dad's smiling. I thought it would put a smile on the kid's face. I think they just were freaked out by me. Um, but they each got a, a shoebox and, and a warm winter coat that day. Um, isn't that cool stuff? Grab a shoebox on your way out the door. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close uh, with our hymn. I will sing of my Redeemer, but uh, let's pray together. Father, uh, we love you. Um, I pray that you would uh, show us, uh, each of us, how to turn to you, how to turn, look full in your wonderful face, to draw near to you, to let go of things that we need to let go of so that we can be servants. We can truly serve you. We can serve this community. God, would you give us the outlets we need for our faith? Each one of us are different. We've got a different group of friends and family, associates, all kinds of things. Um, Lord, we want to see the gospel travel across those relationship bridges. Lord, we want to see this community uh, be touched, never be the same. Lord, if there's something that you need to remodel in us, in this church, God, help us to see it. Help us to be quick to obey. Father, I pray that the foundation of this church would also be 
like those of the Thessalonians, that we would be full of faith and hope and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.